It says this, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you that you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Our Father God, we come before you tonight. And God, we thank you for this time that we can gather tonight as a church family. And Lord, we can gather to celebrate your birth. Thank you, God, for keeping your promise. Lord, for coming, for, for descending down when we could have no hope to ascend to you. That God, you came to us. And that you came to save us from our sins. And so God, we gather tonight as a body, as a, as a church family. And Lord, we rejoice with one another. We celebrate this time as we celebrate your birth. We celebrate, God, that you kept your promise that you would come and that you would be the Messiah, that you would be our Savior. So, God, I pray that you'd bless our time tonight. And, God, I pray you'd be glorified through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to just share a few thoughts from this passage, and then we're going to sing some more, and then we'll be concluded. But in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, he starts out, and we see that there's this... This, this, this decree or this edict from the government. And, and what was taking place here? So uh, Cyrene, it says that, was, that, that Caesar Augustus, he was the ruler. And it says this taxing was made when Cyrenius was the governor of Syria. So you have this edict. Uh, Caesar, Caesar who was reigning at the time, and, and Caesar Augustus, which means ruler or magnificent. 
he was actually the adopted by Julius Caesar. So he was the, the nephew of Julius Caesar, but he was adopted as his son. And, and he was known for this. He would build these monuments and these temples and these statues that people would look to as like God-like statues. And then he would fund it by taxpayers' dollars. Now, can you imagine that? A government that's super godless, that is wasteful of people's tax dollars and money. I know we couldn't imagine a government that would waste people's tax dollars. But this is what was happening. And this was a godless a godless government system and and yet what we see is that god was at work and that god was moving even through an ungodly government system even through a very pagan time but yet god's plan was moving and working and and, and long before this this decree that came out for 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 this census for taxation purposes that God had ordained in his word that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph, they're, they're in Nazareth and Nazareth, and now they're, they're, they're traveling to Bethlehem. This is where Joseph had to return to. He was of the house and the, the lineage of David. And so he was traveling now with Mary, his espoused wife, and she's great with child. Now, you ladies, some of you are, are maybe pregnant now or you've, you, you've, you've been pregnant. And, and, you know, it's no fun traveling. Like, you wouldn't travel really that far in a, in a car. But yet, can you imagine this? This is a probably a 50-, 60-mile journey. And they're traveling on foot. They're traveling probably on some kind of donkey. And they're, they're traveling to, uh, to Bethlehem. It says in verse 6, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Says that she brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So they get there and they can't find a place to stay. And, and, and many times, like what, it, what an inn would look like in this time, and it would be like a, a room, a, a, a second level room. And below there would be an open room. And this is probably where Mary and Joseph were staying. But it would be common. They would bring in the animals to feed in that open area. So when you hear things like stable or barn, well, it may not be the stable and barn we're picturing. But it would have been very similar to that where the animals would be feeding. And, and Jesus is born, the Savior of the world, yet comes with such humility. He comes as a baby, born in an obscure town. And is laid in a manger or a feeding trough for the animals. It says in verse 8 though. It says that at this time there were in the same country. Shepherds abiding in their field. Keeping watch over their flock by night. So maybe you've heard this argument that Jesus couldn't have possibly been born in December. And, and the reason for that argument is well. Because the shepherds wouldn't have been in their field in December. So it just had to have been the fall or it had to have been the spring. Well, that could be. But keep in mind the area of the country that we're talking about. I mean, for crying out loud, it's December in Iowa and it's like, what, 60 degrees out? Well, this is the Middle East. I don't think there was an issue with the cold. I mean, in fact, you could make the same argument or you could just turn that argument around and say, well... 
in December could have been a rainy time in that region of the country. So the shepherds probably would have stayed close by the town, close by Bethlehem. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just saying when you want to throw out these assumptions with absolutely, with absolutely no sources behind it, you can come up with just about anything. Now, there are some reasons Christians thought Jesus was born in December. We don't really know when he was born. That's not the emphasis of the New Testament, but it is the fact that he was born. And so the shepherds are in the field. They're keeping watch over their flock by night. And <clears throat> verse 9, it says, The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed, uh, shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So the angel now, is, these angels are appearing <coughs> to shepherds. Now, shepherds at this time would have been looked at as really an odd and, and peculiar type of people. Right? So you, you see, and this is just amazing. Because you see in the scripture, God using all kinds of people. We talked a lot about Luke in the last couple weeks. Luke is a, a highly educated physician with, with, with high up connections with wealthy and powerful people. And you see how God uses people like that, people like Luke. But now we see that God is going to use shepherds to be the first ones that are going to spread the news of the birth of Jesus after it happens. And, and yet God comes to humble what would be looked at by in, 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 in really all practical purposes as the outcasts of society. Many times the shepherds would be looked at as a little bit odd and, and, and not really trustworthy people. Sometimes they had the, the reputation of being thieves. And, but yet you see God is coming to them. The angel rather is coming to them. And they're going to be the ones. They're going to be the ones that are going to proclaim this news. So the angel comes to them. And he says fear not. He says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The glorious message of Christ coming into the world. This is good news for all people. That, that as we gather tonight, this is good news no matter the background that we have. No matter the color of skin that you have. No matter the socioeconomic status that you come from. That the glorious message of Christ coming into the world. This is good news for all people, for all who will believe. And at a time when we see so much emphasis on unity and so much em emphasis on, on, on different tribes and tongues and groups of people coming together in unity, may we remember that that unity has to be centered in Jesus Christ. That without Christ, without Christ, it's surface level things that we can try to do and try to bring unity, but it'll only come. Only come through Christ. But the angel says this is good news. This is good tidings of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David a savior. Which is Christ the Lord. Here's this glorious news. Here's the news the angels celebrated at this time. Here's the news that we 2,000 years later. A couple billion people are gathered, whether in buildings or virtually right now, are, are gathered around the world celebrating the birth of Christ. And this is good news. This is reason to celebrate. 
Because he says a Savior. That unto you is born this day. A Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. We see that Jesus Christ is the Savior. This is the good news. That we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. Amen. That, that Zacharias who was. We talked a little bit about Zacharias Sunday. But Zacharias when, when he was prophesying after the birth. After the birth of John his son. We see that Zacharias. Thank you. That Zacharias is, 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 is predicting. He's, he's talking about the Messiah Jesus. And then he's talking about his son John. But he uses this phrase. In, in Luke chapter 1. He says the horn of salvation. The horn of salvation is a term that we see many times. And the horn of salvation is a term of strength. When you look at animals that have horns like a goat or a bull, it's a sign of their strength. And what Zacharias, when he's prophesying, he's saying that there's a Savior that's come. And this Savior is mighty to save. That we have a God who, yes, was, yes came humbly as a baby. But this is a Savior that has power. That our God is mighty to save. And that whoever, all people, whoever comes to Jesus by faith, will find that they will have a perfect Savior in Jesus Christ. Amen. That we have a Savior that doesn't just try His best to save us, but that when we come by faith, that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. I love the words of John 6 that talk about those that are drawn by the Father and those who come and believe by faith, they will be raised up on the last day. And what a powerful truth for each and every one of us who know the Lord. What a powerful truth for each and every one who don't yet know the Lord. But by faith, you, maybe tonight, maybe soon, are going to come to Jesus Christ by faith that you will find a perfect, powerful Savior in Jesus Christ. And this is glorious news because every one of us, every one of us need a Savior. Every one of us so desperately need a Savior. And we cannot help. We cannot find hope and help in ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. But we have a powerful Savior. We have a Savior. We have a powerful Savior. A God who is mighty to save. It says that He is the Savior. Some of you in this room over the last year, maybe over the last couple years, you have experienced that salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And here's the beautiful, beautiful thing about it, that you have experienced a change, a transformation in your life. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Do we sin still? Absolutely we do. But what we have seen is that when we trust Christ, there's a transformation that takes place. Why? Because God is mighty. To say something happens when we trust him and when we're saved. The angels say this is good tidings of great joy. Because we have a savior in the city of David. As was predicted by Micah the prophet that we have a savior. And he says he is the Christ. Christ or the Messiah. The chosen one. Micah hundreds of years before prophesied. That a Messiah would come and he'd be born in Bethlehem. You have thousands of years prior, after the fall in Genesis, that it was promised, God promised that there would be a Messiah that would come. And that, that the serpent, Satan, would bruise his heel, but yet that that Messiah would crush the head of the serpent. 
And when Jesus Christ came, he fulfilled what only the Messiah could fulfill. And he was that Messiah that would crush the head of Satan who died on the cross for our sins and rose triumphant over sin and over Satan and over the grave. He is the Messiah. A few months ago, actually about nine months ago now, we preached a whole message, about an hour message. You can go back and look at it if, if you want. But a whole message about how we know Jesus is the Messiah. And we looked at so many scriptures that showed Jesus Christ fulfilled all the prophecies that it was said he would fulfill of the Messiah. Daniel prophesies so clearly and emphatically. And in fact, Daniel says this, the Messiah is going to come before the destruction of the second temple. And in 70 AD, that temple was destroyed. And I have news for each and every one of us that if Jesus wasn't the Messiah, there will not come another one. But yet we have reason to confidently believe Jesus is the Messiah. The angel said this good tidings of great joy. It's for all people. Because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He is our Savior. He is the Christ, the Messiah. And He is the Lord. This is a, a kingly title. This is a title of power. That Jesus, this little baby, yes, was born humbly. But this Christ, this Lord, was the same Lord that 700 years prior when Isaiah has this vision. And he sees on the throne that angels are surrounding, singing, and praising in worship to the Lord. That our Savior is mighty. Our Savior is powerful. That he reigns above all. That there is no one who reigns alongside of him or above him. But he reigns over all. That he, when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And then he ascended to heaven. And he is seated. And he rules and he reigns. And this is why there's good news. This is why this is glorious news for all people. Because we have a Savior. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. Verse 12, it says, this shall be a sign. He says, you're going to find this baby. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly it says, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things, which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they have heard and seen as it was told unto them. Here we see the, the angels, as they, as they told the shepherds, go, you're going to find the baby. And the shepherds go, and they find the baby in the manger with Mary and Joseph. And they're now making known abroad this saying. They're spreading this glorious news about Jesus being born. It says that they return glorifying and praising God. They're glorifying and praising God because a Savior was born. Because the Messiah, the Lord of all. And one day we will physically bow in the presence of our Lord and Savior. Glorifying and praising Him. 
But here's the thing. We don't wait until that day. We join with all the choirs of heaven and all the angels of heaven. And we sing praises to Christ the Lord today. We just did it in a few moments. We're going to continue in singing these songs of praise to our God. Because Jesus has come. The light has come. John the Baptist, we made reference to him. It was predicted that John the Baptist would be born and he would be the forerunner. He would be the one to prepare the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, is prophesying at the end of chapter 1. And he says this. He says that the day spring from on high has come to visit us. That word day spring can mean the sunrise. That the sunrise has come in a time of great darkness. When Rome had oppressed the people in a time where, where it had been 400 years of silence. Where there had not been a prophet of God to speak. Yet John the Baptist is miraculously born. And then Jesus is born. And John the Baptist's whole life and ministry was going to be about preparing the way for Jesus the Messiah. Because a light has come in darkness. And John testifies of Jesus in John chapter 1. And he says that the light has come into the world. That Jesus is the light of the world. And the darkness could not overcome him. That we gather tonight to celebrate with 2 billion people around the world. We gather because the light of the world has come. And we, like the shepherds, proclaim this glorious news. That we are to be the light of the world in pointing people to Jesus Christ, who is the light. That maybe you feel like you're in a place in a time of great darkness tonight. But we gather to celebrate no matter how heavy your heart might be. No matter how dark your situation might seem. No matter how hopeless life might seem for you at this moment. But yet we have glorious news. The light has come. That Jesus is the light of the world. And he has come to save us. Let's all stand, can we? And as we sing the song, if you're able to hold that light up high. Because we rejoice, we praise God. The light has come. King like this, majesty laying in a manger. King like this, unto us is born a Savior. The light, the light has come. King like this, the highest name and song of heaven. King like this. Born of flesh into our suffering, the light, the light has come. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ our Savior. Bow my heart before no other name. Bow my heart. Saving love 
would not forsake us. Trade by kiss, led to the cross for our forgiveness. The light, the light has come. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ our Savior. Now my heart and Glory, glory, high. 